Welcome to Feels Like Home, a home, garden, and design podcast with me, interior designer Sam Strzok. And me, stylist and photographer Eva Cosmos Flores. Each week, we'll bring you down-to-earth advice to help you create beauty in your living space and vibrancy in your garden. Along with insights and tips from our guests. Plus, every episode, we'll dive into listener mail and help you solve a garden or design problem. So send them on over to us at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. So pull up a seat and make yourself at home. Hey, everybody. Hello. Eva and Sam, and welcome to Feels Like Home. We're really excited to have you here today. We're going to be talking with Jessica Helgerson. She's an interior designer based here in Portland. We love her. Yeah, we're obsessed with her stuff. You should check out her Instagram at jhinteriordesign. It's really beautiful. How have you been, Sam? Good. Yeah, just kind of another gray day here in the Pacific Northwest. So looking forward to chatting with Jessica. I'm sort of fangirling a little bit. So she's (laughs) kind of one of my uh, major inspirations, especially because she's from, you know, Portland and whatnot. So looking forward to diving into a chat with her in just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really dark here. Oregon is, um, you know, more northern states. So the sun sets around this time of year around like 334. So it gets pretty dark. Yes. But yeah, so we're going to go ahead and dive into our strides and struggles for the day. Speaking of things that are sometimes difficult. Yes. (laughs) Um, So first I'll start off with Um, my stride. So one thing that I've gotten done or made progress, let's say that on lately that I'm excited about is just going through stuff in our house. Um, Because I am a collector of things. I don't hold on to, you know, everything, but if something is nice, you know, I, I, I like to keep it and I like to look at it and I like to have it around. So I have a lot of stuff, um, especially in our basement, because, you know, if something like is, still stylish but I don't really have a place for it now just like tend to throw it down there and forget about it and now that we're working on building you know the next house I'm just thinking about packing up all this stuff Mm -hmm. that we have and so I know that I need to start going through things so over the past several months I've been slowly hacking away at uh, going through stuff and I just finished going through all the bookcases we have down here because one of the other things I like to collect are books. I love paper books, but I definitely hold on to ones that I won't probably ever read again or don't really need. Um, so I just went through and got rid of, I don't even know, probably like at least four bankers box boxes worth of books. Wow. Which felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. How do you determine which ones to keep and which ones not to? If it's something that I want as reference material, I'll keep it mm-hmm. because I I read a lot of nonfiction just about like learning about things, especially like gardening and, and stuff like that. So if I don't think I'm ever going to reference it again or if it's a fiction book that I wouldn't care to reread, I'll get rid of that. Or a cookbook that I'm like, I'm really never going to cook from this. I'll get rid of that. Or kind of also Marie kondo like, does this bring me joy? Yeah. And if it doesn't, no, it's it's going to go. Because, I mean, there is st- some stuff that, like cookbooks, that I'm like, I probably won't cook that much from this, but it's such a beautiful book that I'm going to, you know, hold on to it. And I'm sure you're the same way with design books, too, oh, where it's totally. just like, I'm not going to, like, probably, like, use this to design my house right now, but I just love looking at it, so I'm right. going to keep it. That's great. 
Yeah. It always feels good to like purge a lot. I feel like when I moved from our house before we moved into the new house, I like went through this really big, massive purge too and was like, we will only take the things that we really love over to the new house. And it has to be like, even if a room sits empty, then we will only bring into it items that mean something to us. And I'm really glad I did that. But I remember that season of just being like, I'm in the great purge and then wondering like, I didn't know I collect this much stuff. Like (laughs) it just happens. And then when you start getting rid of it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. So for me, my stride for this week was that we got some of the major kind of goal setting and business stuff dialed in for Structured. So um, this year we've had just like a lot of unexpected growth and it's a good problem to have, but I'm the first to admit that I am an interior designer and I'm not a business pro. So (laughs) super into like knowing your strengths and weaknesses and being willing to just ask for help when you need it. So I don't really have um, anyone in my family that was an entrepreneur, like had a business or anything like that. So I just have had to like really put it out there to people and just ask for help as I needed. So I have a client that actually um, is now our business advisor and like has helped with like a literally one to 10 year roadmap for the business and like did it because he just, I don't know, loved working with us or something. (laughs) And then was like, Hey, you have this really valuable service and you are clearly passionate about what you do, but like, I know business. So can I help you with this? So at first I was like, wow, um, I don't know whether or not to be like grateful or offended because clearly you (laughs) see that like I need help in this, but also I really need help in this. So It has been such a gift to the team and for myself to just be able um, to help navigate business and business growth. Like I said, I I don't think that um, it's something that people easily talk about as they're like in entrepreneurship. And so definitely um, there's kind of that like really tightrope of how much do you tell people that you're like still trying to dial it in to like maintain your professionalism, but also... Just knowing like the people that see the value in what you offer will have no problem like helping you step into the trenches to like fix the things that you don't necessarily know. So it's been really good and freeing for me as a business owner to be able to like ask for help and have help and then know that it doesn't reflect like me as a designer. Yeah. So it's really just I've literally had business advisors over the last couple of months be like, you're not expected to know everything. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not. So I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So it's just been really good. I feel like it's helps just create more balance in my life. And so it's, yeah, it's been really good. That's a huge stride. Oh, well, I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. And then in terms of struggles, and I know I talked to Sam a little bit about this, but we have a very old very old oven. It's a vintage Roper range from the 1950s, and it is lovely and very cute, but I am definitely struggling with it because it is very stinky. It <laughs> like the pilot light goes out all the time, so it's like leaking gas into our house and then like I have way more sensitive sense of smell than Jeremy. So then I always smell gas and then we have to like rush to like get the pilot light lit, but to get to the pilot light, you have to basically like, disassemble the top of the stove and touch all the like greasy like iron grates on top. And that's a whole thing. And then when you light the oven, it still smells 
a little gassy. Oh, in the oven itself. So there's like the stove top, which like most of the burners work and you, you like have to match light them like half the time. But then the oven, you have to match light every time you want to use the oven, which isn't fun either. And like, and just kind of having a hard time with the, the smell and thinking about like all the gas that's probably just building up in our house mm. and slowly like poisoning us. Yeah. So we are getting a new stove, um, but, you know, the lead times on everything is very long. Super long, yeah. So just kind of sitting with this very stinky stove that I'm just tired of babying and being afraid of. And, uh, yeah, it's just been it's just been a hard time with my stove. And yeah. I really want something that works and uh, does its job. And that's it. <laughs> what more could you ask for, <laughs> right? You need something to really make those like beautiful pies that you bake yes, all the time. Thank you. I won't say all the time, but when I, they, I feel like they take a lot of time. They do. I probably bake a pie like once every couple months because they're very time consuming. Yes. Yeah. But you need an oven to like make all your creative, beautiful magic. Yes. And that's the other thing is it's like the gauge on the stove is not accurate. So I have a separate thermometer in that hangs in the oven. So I know like what the temperature actually is. Um, yeah, it'll just be nice to have something that's like functional and safe. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay. So then for my struggle, uh, mine's kind of just like super simplistic. I, Eva, you kind of mentioned it, like it's kind of gray here in Oregon and dark right now. And um, I kind of struggle in the morning just getting up and getting my kiddo to school at seven when it's pitch black, like yeah. literally pitch black in the morning. So it's just a little bit jarring. And the poor kid, you know, going to first grade, he's like, it's still black outside, mom. I just want to <laughs> sleep. And I'm like, I know, buddy, but you got to rally. Like we all have to rally. So Truly. I will say the good like the benefit to it being dark is that when I drop them off in my pajamas, I don't feel like as seen. So <laughs> um, it is helpful to like have the dark blanket on that. Yes. But, um, yes. But it is. Yeah, it's just rough. I think we're all just like trudging through the mornings right now. So super yeah. looking forward to spring and like longer days, the sun being up when we have to get to school, etc. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the worst getting up in the pitch black. And just like, I guess I have to be awake now, even though it feels like right the middle of the night. Have you ever gotten one of those like sun panel things? Because Jeremy got one last winter and it really helped him a lot. It's like a, a big rectangle white light. Oh, yeah. And it's like gives you the sun, like it emulates the sun or whatever. Right. So it helps if you're just like feeling tired from it being dark all the time and yes. stuff. We would need like 20 of those probably and to like turn them on at 645 in the morning and then like get the kids up and then all of us just like sit in front of them for 15 minutes before we try to get out of the house. But I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah, it's the Pacific Northwest is like super gray and dreary it is. right now. It's just yeah, because that's the thing a lot of people don't realize that live in places that get snow is it's like, well, if you get in a place that gets snow, yes, it's cold, but like snow is so bright. Right. So you still get that feeling of like brightness and lightness that you, you know, get in the summer when there's daylight. But here when there's daylight, it's like covered with clouds right. and there's no snow. It's just brown mud. So everything is just so dark and there's no light reflected. So it's just like it's real rough. Right. Like it's real rough in February, especially like right before spring. You're just like, just let it be spring already. Yes. 
helps us appreciate spring every year, right? Truly. It's like such a season of rebirth where you're just like, I can unfurl my leaves and I'm like, can have sunlight now. Yeah, yeah. completely, completely. All right. So now we're going to dive into our interview with Jessica Helgerson. Want gorgeous photos of your home? I've made five beautiful Lightroom mobile presets that will bring brightness and beauty to your space, and you can grab them for free at feelslikehomepodcast.com. So today's guest is an interior designer who brings an updated feel to existing spaces while being true to their roots. She splits her time between Portland and Paris, and we're so excited to welcome her to the podcast today. Hi. We're super excited to talk to you and really big fans of your work. So it just means a lot that even though you don't know us, you were willing to do this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll start with the first question. This is Sam, by the way. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and sort of what drew you to design? Oh, um, sure. I uh, grew up um, sort of between France and America, so I have always had a foot in both countries. And um, I, uh, I think I was really drawn to architecture and houses, particularly ones I would see in France when we would come during the summer. Um, and I also love to draw and I, uh, you know, went through life and floundered around and wasn't sure what I was going to do. And um, after college and some not particularly exciting jobs, I saw an <laughs> ad for the um, UCSB extension uh, night school design program. And I thought, oh, that's everything. I'm I think I like to do. So I went, um, it was at the Santa Barbara Public Library. That's where I was living at the time. That's where I grew up. And I went and I thought, okay, well, I'll take a class and see if I like it. And I took a class and I liked it. (laughs) um, That was, I was, let's see, I guess I was probably 24 at the time. So nearly 30 years ago now. (laughs) And, um, Yeah, I worked in the tile store um, uh, that also sold um, a variety of masonry products. They had this lab yard, and I worked there while I was in school, and then worked for an architect for about a year, and uh, and that was a kind of an interesting. uh, (laughs) It it, it was he it he did good work, and I think had a really strong eye. that ran his business sort of in the exact opposite in every way of what I would do. Um, <laughs> and uh, simultaneously, I was part of this nonprofit called the Sustainability Project, and we put on um, charrettes for people with projects and helped them um, plan for them and conferences and went on field trips. And this nonprofit, I just was so excited about. And my job, I was so increasingly depressed with um, that I wound up just kind of going out on my own out of desperation. (laughs) Um, And that was in 1999, the end of 99. And that's it. I've had the office ever since. So over 20 years now. That's amazing. And 
I noticed that in your work, you do a lot of um, like historic or really older home restoration. What got you into that kind of niche? I mean, I know you do like newer spaces as well, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, the, um, you know, I had this early interest in green building and um, I was really, you know, wild eyed. <laughs> I thought, we're going to save the world. Everyone's going <laughs> to feel the same way and it's all going to be great. And, you know, I pretty quickly realized that kitchen remodels are not going to save the world. Um, far from it. But I think that it finally boiled down to, for me to just this like really trying to do the right thing by the house and listen to the house and give it what it wants. And hopefully then it's the last remodel. So I know that sounds a little grandiose and who knows, somebody else could come along and rip it all out again. But, you know, we really, we really try to be true to, um, with everything permanent, not with lighting and furniture, but with, with all the permanent things true to the history of the house. So each, it, each project is kind of, it's not exactly, it's not historic renovation because it's not necessarily exactly what was there, but mm-hmm. we try to really make it right each time. So, um, so that, that's kind of fun and, um, and working in houses of different periods keeps us sort of versatile and it's, you know, it's, it's, we just start over every time. So. Yeah. It's like uh, definitely could kind of, when you were talking about, you know, quote, like the last remodel, I definitely feel that through your work, I feel like it all has a sense of timelessness throughout it where it's like not trendy or like specifically super themed to like one specific era, but it's just like really elegant and beautiful. And yeah, you guys are doing really Thank amazing you. stuff. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, the lighting, you know, you can tell the data of a little bit and furniture also, you know, will fall in love with a piece that's trendy yeah. and the fashion but those things are so easy to remove we really try with all the materials and everything that's built in to just be true to the the house so when you're talking about being true to the house or timelessness what where where are the spaces in the house that you typically really try to hone in or encompass that is it like researching the age or the era of the house or what does it look like to actually go in a space and listen to it? Um, I mean, it's, it becomes somewhat intuitive after doing something for so many years. You know, I've been in a lot of houses, but um, we will occasionally visit other houses of the same era by the same architect or maybe there's a little section that's been preserved and still is original and, you know, bring that back again and other things that we do. Also, you know, just that sort of understanding that era and materials that existed in that time. Um, and then also, you know, it's not, we're not super doctrinaire about it. So if there was a material that's appropriate, but, you know, no longer being used because it absolutely failed, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> we're not going to, it's not this, set design. It's really um, also thinking about practicality and the here and now. That makes me think about the fact. So oftentimes when I experience you via social media or on your page, you're talking about very um, interesting topics. And honestly, they're usually pretty political. 
And I love that about your <laughs> yeah, page. We're like, yeah. um, that's part of why we love you so much is that you do these things and you um, use your platform for that. But what what I find interesting in the way that you approach interiors, though, is that same nod towards progressivism is woven into the timelessness of the things that you do. So um, I'm I'm curious how it is that you go into a space that maybe is an older home, a historic property that at one time its original roots maybe would have, let's say, have been rooted in slavery or something that was political at that time. And then how mm-hmm. do you go in and honor that space while also being forward thinking and progressive about where we're at in this moment? Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. Um, I think uh, I think there's not really any way to do that in, I have not found a way to do that in the work itself. So I think there's a certain divorcing that has to happen of the structure. I mean, basically all of Western civilization is built on <laughs> exploitation and uh, pillaging and same in France where I am now, same in the United States, probably worse. Um, and yet, you know, I look at those structures and I love them and I really love very fancy ones. So um, I think it isn't, it doesn't happen exactly in the work itself, it happens in all the stuff that I try to do around it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, we worked on a big project. We did this giant pro bono project for a, um, a really interesting um, homeless shelter uh, for families. And um, I started something called the 1% project where we um, tack on 1% and then encourage others in the home industry to do the same and um, kind of get all those funds together and get them to local nonprofits that are um, working around issues of homelessness. Um, and and it's all tied together, you know, homelessness and racism, and it, it's all one big messy package. Um, and then also the, the speaking out on social media, I just feel like it's, I can't have whatever X amount of followers, which is, you know, not that many, but it's some, some voices um, or some ears <laughs> and voices and not talk about things that I think matter. You know, I can, can't just talk about kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I found that I have a sort of an interesting cross section because the people who do follow, follow because they like kitchen remodels. So they're all over, they're all over the world at this point and have all sorts of different political beliefs. And, you know, once in a while, it doesn't happen a ton, but once in a while I'll get uh, a DM from somebody saying, I changed my mind. (laughs) And then I'm like, yes. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, that's, so great or like I have something I can say to my family now I didn't know how to discuss this stuff with them but you know whatever thing I cut and pasted gave them the words they were looking for to and that's that just feels good you know it feels like something positive (laughs) yeah so that's amazing and then in terms of design do you Mm -hmm. have like 
any kind of general rules or personal workflows you tend to follow when you're going in and working on a space? Yeah. So um, at the start of our project, we are at the same time um, kind of practical and conceptual. So the practical end of things is um, the plan. So that's the how the shape is the space is going to be reshaped. So that's a floor plan and, uh, you know, we look at which walls might get taken out, that sort of thing. And, um, and that's always accompanied by a furniture plan on, on there as well, just to sort of start to understand how the spaces are going to actually be inhabited. And then simultaneously we'll do, which I think is very standard in our industry, um, sort of mood boards that show the design direction that we're imagining for the project. And um, and those two things are really the, the kind of foundation for all of it. And then as far as uh, go-to moves, I mean, I try to avoid big, long, corridor-y kind of spaces. I don't totally hate low ceilings, but I feel like they need to be pretty beautiful if they're right in your face. So we'll, you know, do planks or beams or some interesting ceiling treatment. Um, I feel like ceilings often get forgotten. I don't know if I have other rules. We try, yeah, we try to avoid hall hallway like spaces. So, like in a bathroom, we would tend to put the shower tub towards the end of the room rather than lining everything up against the two walls and being left with a little grip right. in the middle. What is the reason for that? Does it just make it feel more? I think it feels better. Yeah. I think it feels better. It feels more like a hug hmm. and less like a cattle shoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a random question for you, but since you spend, well, I guess let me back up. How much of your time do you spend in Portland versus Paris is the first part of this question. Oh, I don't spend a lot of time in Paris. Paris is just happening right now. Um, so, oh. uh, yeah, I, um, I, I grew up spending all my summers in France, but not Paris. And, and then we, I, it was just a, a series of kind of lucky things. I had a client who wanted to find an apartment in Paris. And I thought, after the pandemic, you know, if I'm working on a project in Paris, I could be anywhere. I've been working from home. Why don't I work in Paris? <laughs> and I came home with that idea and was talking to my daughter, who um, is a junior in high school and has been in um, bilingual education her whole life. And she said, if you go, I want to go. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay. And then I went out to coffee with a girlfriend whose mom passed away a couple of years ago and whose mom had an apartment in Paris. And she said, my mom's apartment is empty. So if you go, you should just stay there. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, there's no going back. <laughs> so um, we're here for six months. And then we actually did make an offer on a little apartment in Paris while I've been here. So, um, Hopefully that's all going to go through. And then I would like to start splitting my time more. Um, our kids are, my son's off to college and my daughter's heading off soon too. And um, it just feels like it could be possible to work remotely a little bit more often. And I'm happy here. It's, you know, I'm a, I have dual nationality and it just feels good. It's my motherland. Hmm. <laughs> that's so great. Um, 
So the the follow-up question to that then is, do you find yourself using sort of your French roots in your projects in Portland as inspiration? Or do you feel like you kind of stick true to the Portland or wherever your project is, um, wherever it is geographically located, that's where you would draw your inspiration from? It's definitely the latter. Um, I mean, there's probably some subconscious influence and and everywhere that it, you know I've, I've traveled you know to a lot of places and seen a lot of very beautiful buildings and architecture and I'm sure it's all sort of in there but um but yes we try to be where we are so yeah if we're working on a project in Iowa City as we did recently like I'm definitely not gonna try to make it Moroccan mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great phrase. Be where you are. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. And then just kind of going off of the more old world feel and some of the restored spaces that you're creating. um, So if, you know, someone has more of a newer build home, Mm -hmm. but they love that kind of old world feel, do you have any tips for listeners who might be interested in creating that kind of a feeling, but in a newer space? Mm. Yeah. I mean, um, I think you can do it through objects and um, bring in antique furniture. Um, it does make me a little sad. There are so many bad new buildings. <laughs> <I feel> like <laughs> up until a certain point, maybe the twenties or, you know, I guess 20s, maybe 30s, everything was basically pretty good. <laughs> you know, even if it was really modest, it was okay. And then, I don't know, the choices exploded and developers started having a lot of ideas. I don't know what happened, but there's just a lot of kind of unfixably bad stuff out there. And it's a bummer because it uses so many natural materials and yeah. space and people have to live in it. and I feel like one of the things that happened is this idea that everyone needs a living room and a family room. And there's just so many houses out there with like an unfurnishably small and crappy living room and a family room. And why not just have one that you know, your family yeah. can live in. And then on the other hand, you know, you can kind of be happy anywhere and maybe it doesn't matter that much, but um, yeah, I think antiques, um, things that you love surrounding yourself with things that have some personal history or meaning to you, um, things you're drawn to, colors that make you happy. Do you think that there's any like line that should not be crossed in terms of like, cause there's also like the rustic trend that's been happening the past, like, I don't know, 10 years or so in terms of, you know, creating that kind of vintagey feel or warmer, more rustic feel, but not going like, too crazy with it? I, you know, I don't really feel like there are, I feel like decorating, like anybody can do whatever they want. It doesn't really, like if it makes you feel great and happy and you look at your house and you think, I love it. <laughs> great. I think there are lines that shouldn't be crossed with personally, but that's just my approach with interior architecture mm-hmm. um, and things that are done to houses. Like I just, I mean, unless you're absolutely the max 
character of it or like it's really this crumbling old place I just feel like really big modern moves in the architecture are it's definitely not my go-to like I I want to see what's there and pay attention to it and and respond you know kind of let the structure be itself even uh, like a better version of itself but so that's my that's my sort of personal no-go but if it makes a person happy to fill their house with stuff theirs <laughs> you know I don't have any rules about that right. I, I'm not gonna do that <laughs> and can you tell us um that kind of is a, it's a good segue into sort of what is your favorite space that you've gotten to work on or your team's gotten to work on and why? Oh, it's whatever we're working on at the moment. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair answer. I don't answer. have a very good memory. So <laughs> once it's photographed, it's in the can, I'm over it. Like, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't look back on any of them and think, oh, that was the one. It's always the one, the current. Thing. Yeah. No, um, that's great. It's like you fall in love yeah. each time, right? In Absolutely. with each one. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And then at this point, you know, we're pretty fortunate to just work on projects we really want to work on. So we're always excited about it. If we take it on, we want to take it on. And and then I then that's the one that I love until it's over. There was one that you did that you posted on Instagram that was just like insanely gorgeous. And it was, uh, Sam actually showed it to me. It was where there was a muralist who had hand painted like oh, yeah. a room. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, so that's Melanie Mead and her um, company is Lonesome Pictopia. She's in Portland and she's a previous tattoo artist um, who started this decorative art company several years ago um and she does decorative hand painting she also has a line of wallpapers and some blankets and other things but she's insanely talented and her her team is really really strong she's um working with a woman who uh has a strong background in um gold leafing and all things gold and yeah (laughs) That's so cool. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. But that particular project, that's an old um, historic mansion in Portland. It's called the Albee House that was built for Mayor Albee in the teens. Um, and the senior designer on that project, Mira Engett, who's been working with him for a long time. We just celebrated her decade at JHID, um, did the initial uh, designs of that um gold and gray paneling and then Melanie embellished and you know it yeah it really turned out well amazing I love how much you kind of weave support for craftsmen and artists and makers in the DNA of what you do too because that makes me yeah reminds me of the fact that you guys do front your front of house that you started at your office yes yeah so tell me I have a a lot of respect for um uh, for the arts and artisans and um, we have so much in Portland which is amazing just like woodworkers glassblowers painters um, uh, yes so Friends of House um, was an idea that I borrowed from a place called Suyama Space uh, in Seattle that was in the um, office of an architecture firm uh, Suyama Peterson Noguchi and um, I kind of saw it through their 
door walking by at some point and just about fell on my head. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. It was, um, the artist was Mike Rathbun, who's a Portland artist. And it was this amazing airplane, like sort of half scale that built out of wood, kind of pale wood that had sort of crashed into all of these very abstracted thorny branches and it was amazing and I went in there and then I started eagerly following what they did and I thought it was really cool because I thought it was interesting to have a space in a design firm that was just for like just inviting one artist at a time to do something that's site specific and like we're always so constrained by the client's program and the structure that we're working in and all the constraints and here it's just like do what you want like do something you think is interesting that responds to this space and I just thought it would be great for us and great for the community and yeah it's been fun it's on hold right now with COVID we haven't had anything for like a year and a half but um we yeah we were up to 10 or installations and um, wow. it was kind of it felt like a um, it felt like it was meant to be because the um, Mike Raspin was also he was the one I first saw at Three on the Space he was our first artist and and I found out that Three on the Space was closing the day that he started installing at our office so it felt like sort of a handing of the baton which is mm. nice. that's really nice that is like such a cool idea too so we have a question that we ask to every guest, um, and it's what okay. is what does home feel like to you? Oh, um, I mean, you know, in the same sense that um, that I think I'm in love with whatever the current project is. I think home feels it's where I feel happy and settled now. So I don't have any particular, like, I'm right now in my friend's mom's apartment in Paris, and I'm, like, her mom did something I would not have done. I'm looking right now at the glass block walls and the very Santa face that she did in the 80s. You know, I'm super grateful to be here, and I'm having a really nice time with my daughter, and I love Paris, and like this is home right now and I'm and I love it. <laughs> so, um I don't know that it's always design focused. I I would not have done the Santa Fe style bath with the glass block. But you know, it's yeah. home and I'm I, I, I like it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because home is like, you know, for men, most of us it's like a feeling, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's where we come home and the temperature feels good and like you can take your shoes off and it's the end of the day. And I think that's why I feel so heartbroken about the homeless yeah, crisis yeah. we have in our country, because it's just like, what, how, how do you survive if you can't come in and take your shoes off and be warm? Yeah. <laughs> right. Or even just like feel safe, you know, like be able to sleep totally. and not be looking over your shoulder all the time. Yeah. 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 So I think that's what home is to me. I love that. That's great. Shoulder. Yeah. And um, we do have a listener question, if you're down to answer it. 
Sure. Uh, so this is from Shira, and she is about to undertake a kitchen renovation, and she wants to know what our thoughts are about what elements are too trendy. Oh, I don't know. I would. I wouldn't. I think that I would pose the question differently. Maybe I would. I would want to know when was your house built, mm. and I don't think anything's too trendy or not trendy but i would try to think about what feels right in that place so you know it mm -hmm. depends on is it a craftsman house is it in the spanish style adobe is mm -hmm. it, you know what is it and and then like try to try to absorb the dna yes <laughs> right and then let that guide you <laughs> I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because I did a kitchen remodel in my home like oh, like six years ago and it's still a pretty big trend, but open shelving. So we have like quite a bit in our kitchen and I will say that mm -hmm. I do regret putting in as much as I did in our kitchen because when you're cooking and I cook a lot, um, you yeah. know, all the grease from your stuff starts getting on everything that's just out on those shelves. So like cleaning wise, right. that's kind of yeah. a pain, even though it is beautiful but maybe yeah. just not a, t a ton of it just for practical <laughs> purposes. Yeah. 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 Um, for sure. I mean, I think it was a backlash of against every like ubiquitous upper cabinet that you're <laughs> your head on. Um, so yes, that I think there's a place for, for both. Um, I think we try to incorporate a little bit of open shelving, um, just because it's like there's something so great about opening up your dishwasher, taking the plates out and just stacking them immediately, <laughs> that kind of thing, or being able to reach over and grab slices as you're cooking and not have to fumble around in a drawer necessarily. Yes. Um, but yeah, that probably would go too far. And where can people find you? Oh, where can they find me? Like on um, Instagram and your in website. In what way? Uh, just oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on Instagram, JH Interior Design. Awesome. Um, or our website, jhinteriordesign.com. Great. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jessica. This has been so much fun talking You're with welcome. you. You're welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps. You can find our show notes with resources and links at feelslikehomepodcast.com. For design advice, send in your listener mail at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at feelslikehomepodcast. The Feels Like Home podcast is produced by Jeremiah Flores and hosted by interior designer Sam Strzok and styles and photographer Eva Cosmos Flores. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay cozy, friends. <laughs>